Hi again, everybody. It's me, JR Man. What's going on? Welcome to your Life's Work podcast. We are embroiled in the 40-day social media fast from the twits, the insta, and the face. We are on day, where are we at? Day 33. Holy crap, man. We got seven of these left. Thank God, really. <laughs> Intentionally moving into people's lives. That's what we're doing. And today is Jake Blakeney, and he's an amazing man, father, husband, uh, community guy in Grand Rapids, and he's going to tell us about Patioville and how to do the best burgers on the planet. But first, we're going to solve the homeless problem, so you got to stick around for that. I'm JRMan.com, JRMan.com. If you need a spiritual director or mentor, I'm your guy. But first, Mr. Blakeney. JR. What is the temperature there? Well, right now, I think we've reached negative two. Dude, I don't even... Listen, in Minneapolis this morning, they said it was minus 28. Have you guys gotten near that? No, we... uh we we warmed up to... Oh, actually, it's negative nine right now. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So negative nine. Um, it warmed up. I think it. I think it hit one degree today. So. All right, we're rolling. Just so you know. Dude, this like our this side of the state is shut down. Like, uh, I kids haven't had school this week. Um, I work was canceled for me today as well as tomorrow. So. Uh kind of fun yeah man it shuts down like that all right tell everybody who you are and where you are because i'm sure they're all excited to hear this they better be excited well, i'm jake blakeney and i am from grand rapids michigan gr baby gr what uh southwest michigan love it over here yeah what do you do in the big gr what's your job what do i do what, what, you know, what do you I do, do? I do a lot of things, but uh, right now I am uh, I'm an asset manager for the Grand Rapids Housing Commission. So what that means is I do I'm, I'm a property manager for low income housing right. here in the city. Right. So quasi quasi government, uh, you know, just sort of working with um, population that is really, uh, you know, they they have a lot of need, a lot of uh, substance abuse abuse and mental illness issues. Um, and so that's kind of the, the demographic that I work with. Uh, so that's, that's what I do over here in GR. Everybody needs a home, man. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, they do. Absolutely. They absolutely do. And there's, you know, there's a few lines of thinking there. Uh, but one of the ones that, that I think makes a lot of sense is, uh, there's an initiative that, came into play uh, several years ago and um, they call it housing first. And so um, it just sort of comes, it sort of comes at it from the angle of like, you know, there's a lot of issues that people have, especially ones who are battling chronic mental illness or substance abuse or, or maybe it's not even something like that. Maybe it's just people who need a, you know, need, need a little, little hand to make it. Um, they might not, they might just be homeless. They might not have a place to stay. Um, 
the way to address those issues, first off, um, you got to have a place for them, a roof over their head, a warm place. So yeah, that's that's, and I agree with that. I think I think that's one of the foundational things. If you don't have, you know, if you're living in your truck, it's a lot harder to, you know just balance out as far as mental illness or substance abuse or anything like that. Yeah. You have no idea. Like this one issue is probably the issue that pisses me off the most about America right now. I see Southern California homelessness, but here's what I see. And anybody who's in my position will see this too. They see there's a war on with the homeless. It, it it's it goes it starts at the street level from from we don't want you to use our bathrooms so everybody and their mother with the business locks up their bathroom so even if you're a customer you've got to have some kind of code or secret handshake or way to identify yourself as a customer to get into the toilet but i mean it just it starts it starts there and and it kills me with a country that has I mean, dude, we can go drive through McDonald's anytime we want, man. You know, it just, it, right. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. So every time I bitch about it, I really don't have a, a period on the end of that sentence. So I know people listen to me, you know, bitch about it and they're like, well, what's the answer, dude? I, I don't know. In your years of doing what you do, is there an answer to homelessness? Yeah. You know, I, I'm not sure that there is. Um, Actually, you know what I think there is, and I don't think the government is is the answer. Um, if the government can, and, and I say this as somebody who works for a housing authority, like I just a lot of those stereotypes that that happen in uh, when you think of like low income housing, you know, the projects or whatever, and and I do a lot to overcome that. Like one of the sites that I have managed at one point, you know, really nice. We we tore it down, rebuilt it. Um, it's, it's a really, like it would fit in with any other apartment complex out there. It would compete, you know, uh, but it was always called the Creston projects. And so I, as even the police know it as the Creston projects. And so I'll actually, as I have this conversation with police officers and they call it the projects, I'm like, no, I'm not going to let you call it that. Cause you know, you got to overcome some of that stuff. But that being said, I think a lot of those stereotypes are true. I can't tell you the number of times that people, uh, you know, someone might move into one of our places and maybe it's, let's just say it's a single mother. Uh, she's got kids, no father of the kids in the picture, or maybe he is, but he's not a real good upstanding citizen or something like that. Um, she's got, she might move in with a part-time job um, making, I don't know, 20, 20 grand a year, which isn't a lot. So she could use the subsidized rent. But then once she moves in and she says, Oh, wait a minute, if I don't have a job then they're going to cut me a check. Right. Um, and so, you know, I just think, and so she'll quit her job and then get a check from us or from the government for her utilities. And, and obviously that's not helping anybody move towards like, self-sufficiency or, or anything like that. And, um, and I think, and I, I even hate to use the word self-sufficiency because there's a whole lot wrapped into there where, you know, I, I don't think we need to be self-sufficient, but what the the point I'm making is, um, is that I don't think the answer is necessarily the government. If the government wants to help in a way, then go for it. But I think, and I, 
I think the American church could just do a, a way better job of meeting the needs of people in the community. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, in San Diego, we're inundated with all the stuff happening with the caravans and then posting up in Tijuana. And they have right. they have transitional housing on, on this side of the border for folks that are you know, getting asylum and coming in and trying to make a go at it. And even I, sure. I've raised my hand a couple times and said, hey, you know what? If if there's people that are coming to the country that, you know, want to go at it and, and, and they can get whatever they need to, you know, not have the Border Patrol chase them down the road, I'm all in. Use, you, you, use my house. Come on in. Let's go. Sure. Let, let's make a go at it. So, I, you know, my, my, my solution, and I agree with you, my solution for the homeless problem, my solution for the immigrant problem is for people to be so open to the very faith that they take into their hearts that it also include people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I, I again, I, Every time I bitch, though, people, I mean, that's that's my only solution. It's my it's it's my same solution with all the foster kids out there. You don't want foster kids anymore. Open up your door. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, Yeah. And I think so often, so often the church, you know, like they're really good about having a food pantry. But when it comes to actually, uh, you know, actually opening up doors or something like that. It's, it's, you know, not quite as, they're just not quite as ready to do that. No, no. Or, no. you know, I mean, I, I also, I love, so reading through the book you wrote, JR, like there's one, and I don't know word for word, but, uh, one of, one of the pages is something like what, whatever the homeless guy does with that dollar ain't your business, you know? And, uh, I just, I love that. That's, that's so true. And yet, I'll be honest, at the same time, there's very few times where I'll actually give money away to the guy on the street corner. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, you know? I mean, it's a, it, it's a thing, man. I mean, I, you know, every single human being that, that, you know, there's two basic things that we want. Number one is to, re- is, is, is love. We all want love. And the second thing, which, which really has opened my eyes, particularly in the last five years, is we all want to give. At the end of the day, like, we really have this need to make sure that people around us are okay. And one of the big problems with Americans, and, you know, I'll say it right off the bat, and again, people will struggle with what I say because I'm challenging them in some way, but we don't want people's problems, man. And one of the ways we deal with people's problems is just throwing cash at it or throwing subsidy at it or throwing a housing track over there, <laughs> you know, or, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's what we do. All right. Well, anyway, so we solved the world's problems and, and we don't have to do that anymore, but I want to, um, <laughs> cause there, there, there's a few of the things that I just love about you that I want to get into. Um, okay. well, that was great. And I love that. So you've got three kids, three beautiful girls. Uh, your wife is, I mean, your family probably on all the people that I'm going to talk to over the 40 days of doing this social media fast and i'm doing a podcast every day your family like has that bright shining star on the hill for die and i and our kids because you guys saw our story from the beginning as far as the adoption went so it's a no yeah we were there you guys were there you guys were there we so were there i want to 
I want to quickly, uh, you have a food thing. You're into food. You love good food. Restaurants, cooking. Yeah, you do. And this is always fascinating me. So let's get into that real quick. So what makes, well, where where, where do you want to go? You want to do burgers? Because burgers are one of your things, right? (laughs) I I love burgers. I love good burgers. Okay, so what makes a great burger like what is like like i'm saddling up and looking around burgers in my neighborhood my hometown what am i looking for <laughs> that's a, that's a great question i think uh a good burger you know my mother-in-law will disagree because when i when i cook out she makes me squeeze all the juice out of it oh really and burn it burn it to a crisp which is really <laughs> it's just wrong it doesn't that doesn't sound right even me i go no. that doesn't sound right it, it's, that's wrong no i i think a good burger you know i like a little more than just the flavor of the meat so i like honestly when i make them it's just montreal steak seasoning that's all i use um and you can't overwork the meat you gotta you know you got you gotta just uh not mess with it too much and uh, other than that, you know, can't be cooked. If it's if it's too cooked, then it dries out. It's no good. So I like them. I like them juicy. That's it. That's what makes a good burger. Yeah. The bun is bun is very important as well. Uh, I like a little butter on the bun, toasted on the inside, soft on the outside. Right. Right. Yeah. And then toppings wise, whatever. All right. So if you're listening and you're in Grand Rapids, where's the burger place that Jake Blakeney goes to? The burger place. Well, see, here's the thing. There's there's a couple different types of burgers. There's like kind of your diner slash fast food burger that, you know, isn't like gourmet or anything. It's just a real solid, uh, good place to go grab a burger. And I got to say, I'm a big fan of Mr. Burger in Grand Rapids. I oh, like their Burger. Olive Burger. Oh, yeah. Mr. Burger. So, th- I mean, this is the type of place where you, like, like high school cafeteria, you you get a tray and you put your plate on it, and then you order and you move down the line and they oh, put yeah. food on you. Yeah, so I like Mr. Burger. But then for a good, like, gourmet burger, I got to go with uh, – there's a place over in East Town called Terra, T-E-R-R-A. Amazing burger. Yeah. yeah Amazing. You're, you're making me want to fly out there except for this whole minus nine thing. Um, <laughs> now, okay, so okay, so thanks for the burger and the, and, and the food. I mean, that that's a big deal. People, listen, people want to know what they're looking for when it comes for a burger. Um, Patioville. Let's talk Patioville. So, yes, let's talk. So, so Di and I have a long-standing tradition in our marriage over 26 years of the open-door policy, uh, people coming and going in our house, and San Diego's no different than any other place we lived. I mean, people show up, and a guy just got out of here. He's guy stayed here last week from Philadelphia. So right. we've always had this open-door policy. In Grand Rapids, when we lived there, uh, it kind of turned for us because it turned into open door policy to kind of open neighborhood policy. So we all developed like a patioville. Tell us about patioville. So yeah, you know that happened. You, you and I and us, we we moved into this neighborhood right around the same time. I think we were like maybe a month or two ahead of you. Um, and uh, it was it was 
me and Heidi is our first house. Uh, we were just moving to this neighborhood, Alter Heights, Grand Rapids, great area. So, um, shortly after we moved in, we just started to get to know all the neighbors and, uh, we really, we, I mean, I think it was probably random one night. We, we got together for dinner in the backyard of, uh, somebody, I think it was Sharon's house. And, uh, and that just kicked off like every Wednesday during the warmer months, we started getting together just to break bread, have some, have some time to laugh and be crazy. And if there were kids back in those early stages, there weren't really many kids. Now there's a ton of them. And it just kind of grew over the years to this point where, uh, every, you know, come, come May, June, all the way through August, September, we're getting together in somebody's backyard and, those initial stages, it was, you know, maybe a dozen people, but it's grown. And there's, I mean, there's been times where there's been 40, 50 people in the backyard just hanging out and having fun. And, and we do it faithfully because believe, and we just know that life is so much richer and better when you're doing it with people. And what better people to do life with than those who live right there in your neighborhood. And, um, and we truly, and you remember this from this neighborhood. We we truly love and watch out for for one another, no matter what walk of life, you know. You're no matter which way you're headed, no matter no matter what your beliefs are, nothing like that really matters because we just we love each other and we we love to do life together. So Patio Hill is the name that we gave it because we were on a patio and we were in a. Ville, I guess, Taste of Village. I think you used to yell that all the time. So Patio Ville, it just fits. And and we still do it to this day. Some people have come, some people have gone, but it's uh, just an incredible time. And then I think... Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I mean, we're talking 15 years, right? The 14, 15 years, something... Yeah, 12, something like that. Yeah, something like that. 12, yeah, maybe it's 12, 13 years. I stopped counting after 10. Yeah, I mean the the again the, this bass drum this this thing that beats in all of us is this idea of belonging and love and then giving and there has been no better like neon sign pointed to a community that does it and does it like you know I mean everybody's got their own individual personalities and bullshit along the way but gosh you guys have really done a hell of a job at making sure and it's not just you guys right I mean this is like oh no other people from around the corner right like like you even told right. me there was a couple times there were strangers you didn't know who the hell they were <laughs> Yeah yeah sometimes we don't know who everyone is and it and it has extent you know it started just this little corner here of I don't know 6 7 houses but it's extended probably a quarter mile in every direction. And, uh, and that's, that's what's, and, you know, you talk about this, you know, this bass drum, this beating in our heart to, to be, uh, a part of a family or a part of, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, I'll use the Christian buzzword community, you know, we want to foster community. And, and that's, that's all well and true. But at the same time, I think there's a lot in us that, resist that because it does make while it certainly makes life richer and better and it just makes it work there's also we kick against it because a lot of times it can be a lot harder like when you start getting into people's business there's a lot of dark stuff and 
Um, and when that starts to come out, it's not always easy, but it's good. And, um, and, and it takes you into deeper levels of faith and deeper levels of love. And, um, and I think it's really, really important. You know, yeah, I, Proverbs, 8, Proverbs 18, one, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks yeah. out against all sound judgment. That's just so, so true. And that's, that's why I think we have this, this resistance to living deeply with one another is because a lot of times we just want what's best for us, not necessarily what's best for others. Well, yeah. And I always tell people, this is how it goes. Before you start tackling your ego, it may seem like a great idea to be very self-sufficient and autonomous, chasing everything the world has to offer. But then I say, once you have your ass kicked a few times at that type of living, you will yeah. you will know the value of Patioville. You will know the value of the people in your life that you can just sit around and and uh and share life with and that's uh you call that a proverb how about how about that how about we add that to proverbs <laughs> <laughs> sure let's just add it to god's word yeah, whatever um <laughs> whatever um okay you're also a musician uh singer yeah, I'm uh, a musician. and uh you were a pastor for a time do you still consider yourself a pastor well sure well i, I don't know if i'd wear the title but i feel like right now I'm doing more pastoring than I ever did when yeah. I was actually on staff of the church. Yeah, you're damn right. So, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I mean, I've got guys that come hang out at my house uh, twice a month for a little guys group, and, and this is, don't hear, like, guys accountability group. Like, it's, it's way deeper and better than that. Like, we kind of cut through the BS right away. Um, but, you know, so I'm walking with these guys and, and through some I mean, we're all kind of at about the same point in life, young families, young careers, or maybe we've been in it 10, 12 years, something like that. Uh, but all guys roughly in their thirties and forties. And, um, we're just, you know, it's a gift to have these types, these type of men walking through life with you. Like, you know, it's something that I think is really rare at my age to have to have a group like that who um, isn't afraid to talk about things below the surface, right. uh, to get into matters of the heart instead of just pretending to have it all together, or pretending to look good, or you know, or, or even to go after like the fame and the money and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's a huge deal about you. I mean, your, your heart's as big as that damn city. So that's fantastic. Tell me about your music. Tell me about what you're listening to now. I know you're kind of one of those freak guys that like knows a whole bunch about Christian subculture, uh, bands back in the day. Like if I says, like, if I say to you, like, if I say, name me a Larry Norman song, you would say, Actually, you know, I mean, I like Larry Norman and Randy. <laughs> well, my listen, everything. my point is, is you know who he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But let's be clear. Like, I, I heard a Larry Norman song the other day. Where did I hear it? I don't know. I, oh, it was on a podcast I was listening I'm to. I'm sure. I was going to say probably somebody's eight track, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, and, and I was just like, oh, 
I can't believe that this passed for good music back in the day. But at the same time, like the dude pioneered Christian music. Right. Um, that being said, I'm I'm a little younger than the the uh, Larry Norman, Randy Stonehill era. So, um, but as, so you want to know about music I'm listening to now? Yeah, yeah. Give me because I mean, you play. What do you play? You play guitar. What else do you play? Anything yeah, else in there? Yeah, I play. I play guitar. I mess around on a banjo once in a while. And and you've um, been you've been in and out of bands your your whole life, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Actually, we so my buddy Justin and I we had we had a band I don't know seven eight years ago called Reverend Larry Moonshine. <laughs> uh, it was it was just Justin and I, so yeah. we we call it a band, but it was just Justin and I, both acoustic guitar. But we just resurrected ourselves uh, in November, and we're hosting an open night night once a month at uh, the Brass Ring Brewing Company here in Alger Heights. Oh, so, that's so great. Um, and then I lead worship some at church once in a while. Yeah. Um, I kinda, it's kind of a fill-in thing, but that's what I'm listening to right now. Yeah, what are you uh, doing? I, you know, there's a couple artists that I think are just fantastic. Um, John Mark McMillan is one. He, a few years ago, several years ago, he, he was kind of big and like, praise and worship world because of one song that he wrote um but he's sort of moved away from that congregational singing type stuff and he's just gotten really more artistic and deep with his lyrics and his music has become a little more experimental and i just think he's a fantastic songwriter so john mark mcmillan a guy named Josh Garrels is one of my favorites. Dude, Josh um, Garrels. I mean, preach all day long on that guy. That guy, I mean, you want to talk yeah. about amaze balls. And I, I find, yeah. here's what I find with him, and you tell me. Like, the people that know him, like, are, like, following him around in a van. And then all of a sudden there's the other people that are like, who is he? So he's, right. that guy's amazing, man. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal. Uh some bigger name, like I, I'm a big Matt Carney fan as well, yeah, and uh, the girls around the house they're they're huge Matt Carney fans as well. So we we're always rocking up some Matt Carney, uh, and then I'm you know I'm a I'm a former punk rock kid, so like I love like MXPX was big in the the Christian punk world, um, so I, I still they just put out an album. 2018 that is absolutely fantastic dude like, christian punk rock what what's what's going who are they fighting like who are those guys fighting like what's the deal because when i think of punk rock i think like early clash you know <laughs> i think yeah, of, yeah. you know I, I mean i think of like guys that are like really like they'd spit on you before they'd shake your hands what are the christian punk rockers doing like what is it just, is it what? just about sound or what is there is there also a tune yeah. going on there yeah, too that's I think for some of them, it's just about sound, uh, the style of music. But then also at the same time, I think the most of the Christian punk bands, and MXPX wouldn't consider themselves a Christian band anymore. Yeah. Um, but um, they, uh, I think a lot of those early, so this was back like mid-90s, late-90s, a lot of that Christian punk music came out of a, just really tired of like the the late eighties and nineties metal that the you know like the striper and the 
there was a bunch of, you know, white cross and white heart and all <laughs> white, of this, like... White cross, <laughs> dude, man. Striper, dude. Well, yeah, I mean, those, that 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 realm just kind of wore... It, it kind of wore out. It just wore out real quick. And so um, there was, like, a resistance to that. And then also, like, the, the pop Christian stuff, like Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith and, you know, all that kind of stuff, like... There's just a resistance. There are these kids who are like, "Man, I love music like uh, Violent Femmes or or The Clash or you know whatever." Um, and and so they started to make music, and they started to realize that they could uh, they could make music and still have a positive message. And and there was still this like, because punk rock is all about like angst and uh, sort of bucking the system and you know, rising against the, the authority and all that. And so there was still some of that because they're kind of uh, just in the face of the Christian subculture, youth ministry world. Uh, they're just fighting against that. Well, and some would argue, right? Jesus himself was very punk, without a doubt, having risen, risen up against a massive imperial system. I mean, he he literally took on... Uh, he literally took on an entire culture and system. I mean, while he was walking the planet, a- aka them killing him at the end of his life. But um... well, well, listen, anybody anybody who goes into the temple and says, "Hmm, I don't really like what's going on here," and then premeditatively goes away, weaves a whip so that he can come <laughs> back and turn the tables over, yeah, man. and wreak uh, some havoc on that place. That's pretty punk rock, if you ask me. Yeah, if Jesus... Okay, so then that begs the question, would... I mean, who's he listening to? Like, I, at, <laughs> there, there's there's part of me that, like... Again, like, I just go back to early Clash. I can't help but think that Jesus would have loved that. <laughs> you might be right. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe he would probably say uh, Larry Norman. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe he would. Or... Or maybe Amy Grant. Or maybe Uh, Amy. The one story I tell about Amy Grant, 1986, Rochester, New York. I took a guy, a guy, and we went to... uh, we went to an Amy Grant show at the War Memorial, downtown Rochester, New York. And there was probably probably 10,000 people. It was... 10,000 people. Yeah, it was me, 10,000 people, and Amy Grant. So there's, there's, so there you go. <laughs> Sounds great. If, yeah, I know. Sounds Sounds great. You, know you, you know what? Heidi and I just watched uh, this documentary, and I, uh, I forget what it was called, but it was about Rick Mullins. Yeah. Um, yeah. And sort of his, and I, you know, I, I'd always listened to Rich Mullins a little bit back in the day, but never a ton. Um, it was just, it was fascinating to see his, like, rise and how how he was, he just, he, like, had no desire for fame or anything None, like that. Nothing. Um, you know, like, like, Amy Grant called him and, like, wanted to record one of the songs, and he's like, he's like, no. Like, yeah. Whatever. Well, you the know? whole, I mean, the whole Brennan Manning thing, and, I mean, he... Yeah. Rich, Rich was great because he 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 really fell into the contemplative way of life, which is the right. You know, a lot of people ask me, you know, what I am, and you know, I tell people I'm a contemplative Trinitarian, 
And when you fall into that way of life, you know, hopefully you can kind of shake all that bullshit that wraps itself around the world. He he did. He did. And there's no yeah. doubt that he's got wide ranging influence as a result. Right. Right. So let let that be a lesson to all you punk rockers out there. Okay, with the uh, with the time we, we're 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 thirty one in. I only go thirty minutes. Real quick, tell us about yep. your podcast and uh, tell us about your podcast, and then uh, and then then that's it. <laughs> all right. So uh, betterwineproject.com. dot com. That's the podcast that my good buddy Justin, who I mentioned, and I do, uh, and it's just this premise that. Um, you know, Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine, and that was pretty cool, but the thing that was awesome about it is he brought out the better wine that typically needs years to age. He brought it out at the end of the party. Um, and so he made this wine, and instantly it was better than anything uh, previous. And so we just sort of take that to say, hmm, I wonder if the more we lean into God and the more we... Uh, do life with others and, and walk with, with the Lord, uh, maybe the best years aren't behind us. Maybe the better years are coming. It's not a prosperity thing. It's not a, you know, have faith and everything will work out thing. It's that life is hard, but the reward is that Jesus brings out the better wine at the end of the party. So that's 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 our deal, betterwineproject.com. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say we're, we're actually going to go on hiatus here for a bit because it turns out we talked about my my full-time gig with the housing commission uh, i'm actually uh, sort of in the throes of a new venture uh starting my own company and doing some property management and real estate so there's just no margin right now so something's got to give and that's going to give for a little bit because you know the other thing we really value is not running at a pace in life that causes you to miss out on your kids or right, your man. wife or yeah, even man. relationships with others. Right. You know, there's too much of that in, in America. Like we need to slow down. Listen, we don't need to speed I, up. I, I, I said it before. I'll say it again. I said it on this podcast as well. You know, when you're sick of, you know, living full tilt into the world and having your ass kicked, uh, there is a giant sofa of love waiting for your collapse, waiting for your <laughs> shipwreck, if you will. All right, part of my part of my process in doing these forty days and forty podcasts is, you know, with the people that I'm calling and saying hello, is just to let you know how much I love you, how much I care for you and Heidi and the girls and. Thank God you were there uh, when we got the kids and how much you've met to my family in the in the 15, 13, 12, whatever the hell it's been uh, that we've known each other. And uh, gosh, dude, yeah. friends like you, if I never have another friend like you, I'll be okay because uh, having you uh, has, has hit the jackpot. So thank you, man, for being a part of my life. Well, I appreciate that, Jr. We uh, we love you guys too. You're definitely more than friends. You guys are family to us. So can't wait to see you again. Yeah, you too, buddy. Thank you. All right, Jake Blakeney. BetterWineProject.com BetterWineProject.com uh, As he said, he's probably taking a little hiatus from the podcast, but there's plenty of episodes to listen to um, and catch the vibe of him and his friend Justin. Justin, who I'm probably going to I'm gonna have on the big show um, coming up too, so, uh, so look forward to that too. Uh, 
this idea of Patioville it, here in San Diego, we call it Happy Fun Time. And for those of you who uh, live here in San Diego with me, you've, you've no doubt been over to a Happy Fun Time or two. Um, so I encourage your own Patioville, your own Happy Fun Time, your own I, it, it, basically, it's collecting the community. I know so many people around uh, the country that do uh, a patioville of some kind. So, man, keep going, keep going. If you're not into church, if you're not into, you know that that formalized that formal gathering of people, hook the patioville into your life. It is the greatest way to express your love and to receive love all at the same time. I'm jrman.com, J-R-M-A-H-O-N.com. I'm a spiritual director and mentor. You have situations in your life where you know you're you're racked sometimes, and you need a a little push or a pull or an understanding of what the divine is doing in your life or a better way of of, of having relationships with people. Uh, I'm your guy, so give me a call. It's jrman.com, M-A-H-O-N. The numbers and the emails and all that stuff are on the website. I love you. Thanks for being hooked into my passion. And day 34 is tomorrow. We'll see you.